Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard, inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue with our investigation of Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself the most fundamental of all biblical questions, what exactly is the saving gospel? It seems amazing to us that that question is so seldom asked. We tend to assume that we've understood what the gospel is. We have certain verses that we trot out as though they are self-evidently proof that the gospel consists, for example, in the death and resurrection of Jesus. But is that true? Did Jesus go around preaching his death and resurrection as the gospel? Well, obviously not. It's a simple fact that you can establish with a few minutes' study on your own that Jesus preached about the kingdom of God. For example, at the beginning of his ministry in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Jesus, we read there, came into Galilee and said, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, Repent, that's to say, do a U-turn in your thinking and conduct, and believe in the gospel. Well, he just used the word gospel in connection with God's gospel in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. And he then says, repent and believe in God's gospel. And what was God's gospel about? Well, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel about the kingdom of God. In Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus said, I came to preach the gospel about the kingdom of God. That's the reason why I was sent. In Acts 8 and verse 12, we have an early creedal statement which runs as follows. When they believed Philip preaching the gospel about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were getting baptized, both men and women. Now, do you see a rather obvious connection between the teaching of Jesus here and the teaching of the apostles in Acts isn't it, in fact, absolutely clear that there's a common theme, a common subject in the gospel preaching of Jesus and the gospel preaching of those others who announced the gospel in New Testament times? Clearly, the kingdom of God is the principal subject in the gospel message. But today we hear that Jesus came to do three days' work, to die, to be buried, and to be raised from the dead. But what happened to that preaching ministry of Jesus if, in fact, he only came to die and to be raised, what in the world was he doing preaching the gospel, not about his death and resurrection initially, but about the kingdom of God? It seems to us that the modern gospel has been robbed of its central element, the information, the saving information about the kingdom of God as it proceeded from the lips of Jesus. In Matthew 24, verse 14, we read that this gospel about the kingdom of God will be preached in the entire world, and then the end will come. You see, this gospel is not just any old gospel. It's this gospel concerning the kingdom of God. In Matthew 13:19, in that famous parable of the soils, an illustration of how the gospel affects different people, how well they listen, and so on, we find the gospel there defined as the seed message about the kingdom of God. It's the word of the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom that must take root in our hearts if we're to begin on the journey of faith which leads to immortality in the coming kingdom. The gospel about the kingdom, Jesus said, is the essential seed which creates that new life, 
that new life and that rebirth which is absolutely essential for our salvation. Unless a man is born again, Jesus said in John 3, he cannot, it's absolutely impossible for him to enter the kingdom of God. And so the seed and defining the seed ought indeed to be our top priority as we search for the way that leads to life in the coming kingdom. In Matthew 13, verse 19, Jesus said, The seed is the message or gospel about the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom. That's defined as the seed which must take root in our hearts if we're to have that initial spark of life, that germ of immortality implanted in us, a spark indeed of the very divine life of God himself, by which we are one day going to be transformed into immortal persons at the resurrection when Jesus returns to establish his kingdom on this earth. So I would invite you to ask yourself the question, have you accepted the message about the kingdom? Do you have an intelligent understanding of what the message or gospel of the kingdom entails? How can you believe in the word of God, the message of the kingdom as Jesus preached it, until you receive some explanation of what that kingdom is all about? Let me make the point absolutely clear that the term word of God in the New Testament is not just a synonym for the Bible. When the Bible speaks about the Bible, it calls it the scriptures. But the term word of God is much more focused. It has to do with the gospel message as preached by Jesus and the apostles. For example, in Acts 13:44, we read that the next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of God. Do you think they were just coming to hear a general sermon about the Bible? Weren't they, in fact, coming to hear quite specifically the gospel message of salvation? They assembled to hear what Luke calls the word of God. That's to say the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. Now, if we allow Luke to define his own terms, let's go back to Luke 4, verse 43. There we hear Jesus saying, I must preach the gospel about the kingdom of God to the other cities also. That's the reason for which I was sent. And in the very next verse, in Luke 5, verse 1, we gather that the people were listening to the word of God. You see, the word of God there is defined as the gospel preaching of Jesus concerning the kingdom of God. Now, that's a most important biblical lesson. It will be of immense help to you to understand that the phrase word of God means the gospel of the kingdom. And that gospel, of course, goes back to the preaching of Jesus himself. Let me make this point absolutely clear by referring to another passage in the 8th chapter of the book of Acts. In Acts 8 and verse 4, we read this, Therefore those who had been scattered went about proclaiming or preaching the word. And the next verse tells us that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. Do you see that proclaiming Christ is the same thing as preaching the word? But there's more information to be gathered about what this preaching Christ and proclaiming the word really means. Skip down now to the twelfth verse of Acts 8. And here we have a full definition of what it means to preach the Christian gospel. In Acts 8.12 we read this, But when they believed Philip, preaching the good news or gospel about the kingdom of God 
and the name of Jesus Christ. They were getting baptized, both men and women alike. Did you hear that? They were preaching about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Now, the word name in the Bible stands for the entire agenda and character of a person. In other words, they were getting all the information they needed about Jesus Christ. But in addition, they were getting, firstly, the information about the kingdom of God, that saving message of the kingdom, which in Matthew 13:19 must take firm root in our hearts so that the saving process can begin. I must tell you that salvation in the Bible is not a once-and-for-all event. There's a sense in which we have been saved, but there's a very important sense in which we are being saved, and most importantly in the New Testament, though often not in current preaching, salvation lies yet in the future. Listen to this important exhortation from the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 13, verse 11. Speaking to believers, he says this, It is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, because now salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Did you hear that? Salvation is nearer to us. In other words, it's getting nearer because we're moving towards the future. He didn't say salvation is further away from you because you got saved in the past. He's much more interested in future salvation, in ending the race, in completing the process. Don't let anybody tell you that salvation is once and for all and finished. Of course, there is a beginning to the process of believing. And, of course, Jesus died once and for all for our sins, but we must maintain our salvation by continuing to believe. Do you remember the words of Paul to his converts in Romans? In Romans 11, verse 22, he said, Behold then the kindness and the severity of God. To those unbelievers who fell, severity. But to you Christians, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness, otherwise you Christians also will be cut off. Now, you don't hear that aspect of salvation preached with any clarity today. Often we're told that once you're saved, you're always saved. It wouldn't matter what you do, you're bound to be saved. But that's obviously contrary to Paul's thought here. Paul said to his Christian converts, you will remain in God's kindness if, if, on condition that you continue in God's kindness, otherwise, that's to say, if you don't continue in, in his kindness, you Christians also will be cut off. Do you hear then the severity of God and the kindness? Often we presume on the kindness of God. We assume that all we have to do is to say yes to Jesus in some mystical fashion, and that's the only requirement for salvation. But that is not true to the Bible. Jesus himself warned that the majority, that most would say in that day, in that future day of judgment, Lord, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we do miracles in your name and exorcisms? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And Jesus' response to that majority will be, I never recognized you. Clearly there was a huge gap between what those people had understood and embraced as the faith and what Jesus actually requires as the faith. And one of the ways in which Jesus' faith 
and the faith of the apostles differs from what we often hear preached today is in this matter of the so-called once saved, always saved doctrine. It's simply not true that once one has made an acceptance of Jesus, nothing in the world can prevent that from bringing us to salvation. It simply is not a fact that you win the race when the starting gun goes off. You must continue faithful until the end. That's why Paul then in Romans 13 verse 11 clearly says that salvation is closer to us than when we first believed. Let me summarize the points I've been making today. Firstly, the term Word of God is a quite specific designation of the gospel of the kingdom as Jesus and the apostles preached it. Acts 8.12 says that they believed in the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus before they were ready to be baptized. Secondly, receiving the gospel of the kingdom of God puts us on a journey which leads ultimately to immortality in the kingdom. Now, it isn't sufficient simply to say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. We must continue in salvation. We must not fall away from the faith. And we must produce fruit for the kingdom of God in order to guarantee our entrance into that kingdom when Jesus returns. We invite you to request from us an article entitled The Ifs of Christianity and another entitled The Christian Gospel in the New Testament. Meanwhile, join us again as we continue with our probing of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.